Hey guys, welcome to episode three of Here for the Truth with Joel and Erasmus. Today we have our very first guest, Mr. Jaguar Hart. Jaguar specializes in removing subconscious limitations and dissolving trapped negative emotions through his own system using four key areas being awareness, patterns, language, and emotions. And Jaguar brother, I've got to bring in an opening quote here that I saw from your Instagram last Mm -hmm. night because it pumped me up and I think it's very relevant. Yeah. Once you get beyond the fact that no one can take your power, only you can give it away. You'll dissolve (laughs) the powerlessness and separation at the deepest level and the world will change because you will resonate at a different frequency. Mm -hmm. Guilt and fear are the preyed upon emotions by the sinister governments. Fuck them. Stop giving your power away because the only thing you're giving your power away to is the deeper belief that you have no power, which is itself an absolute lie. If you knew how powerful you were and the energetic resource that we all have, you wouldn't be letting weak, pathetic, dangerous politicians tell you what you should think. Wake the fuck up now. Mm. Yes. What a place to start. (laughs) Yeah. What, uh, what inspired that quote? Oh, we'll probably need about six hours for that but we'll keep it a bit more condensed (laughs) it's just like we see melbourne going back into uh another snap lockdown like it's conveniently always at these expiration of these health emergency acts and also around public holidays as well when people want to move we'll go around and go okay we've done melbourne we've done new south wales let's do perth let's do south australia whatever it is it's just the fact that people keep acquiescing and giving away their power I keep seeing it. It's, you know, government's taking our rights. And I'm like, fucking stop with that shit. You are giving it away. You're giving it to them. I'll take it if you give it. Yeah. And when we start to really recognize that within ourselves, that the only thing that we're giving away, our, giving our power away to is the idea that we have no power, then we can start to be fully responsible for our decisions and moving forward. People are always going to be out there to manipulate and take advantage of you if you let them. And this system, how people keep saying we want to go back to normal we're not going back to normal because normal wasn't normal prior to the idea of us thinking that it was normal prior to this right (laughs) yeah Yeah. it was normal to what we've been conditioned to believe was normal but normal is sovereignty it's freedom it's love it's vitality it's health and these are our normal states but the guilt and the fear which are two of the lowest frequency emotions are preyed upon that's why you see the news you know all news channels are blue and red most flags around the world are blue and red sirens are blue and red most police uniforms are blue right they're colors of authority and so when it bleeds it leads i mean it only and this is written by the cia it only takes eight weeks to program a brain when they're in the state of fear and guilt and so what i want to bring to the world is just getting people to realize that they have a choice And that's the power is to make the different choice and then to understand more deeply that, hey, I have the power over my entire life because wherever I go, I'm there. So I'm the common theme in my life rather than saying, oh, please, government, give me back my freedoms. It's like, stop fucking giving it away. And then there's nothing to give back. Mm. So Yeah, it's it's like the masses are in a a abusive relationship with their government. You know, literally suffering from Stockholm syndrome. Well, it's a trauma bond, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah, we're in a narcissistic, gaslighting, abusive relationship with our government. I literally wrote this on my Instagram about two hours ago. And I said those exact words that we're in an abusive relationship. And people just fucking love to be told what to do. They're begging for it. And so now, even though my page is much more about the human condition and helping people wake up to the deepest parts of them, I'm also like, you motherfuckers are dragging all of us into a global genocide. And now I'm going to start telling you that that's fucking what's happening. Whether you believe it or not, it's okay. It doesn't bother me. It doesn't change the truth of the matter. So now I'm sort of going down both parts. And this really speaks to the concept of, yes, we have compassion, but not blind to the compassion, not blind compassion to the point where, you know what I mean? We're going to, we're going to cut off everything as a result of, of your behavior. Well, I'd say like there's compassion, but blind compassion is more stemmed from denial and ignorance, really, I think. And so it's be like, we can go down the love and light path and spiritual bypassing, but now it's like, there really is the time for like 
you guys got to wake the fuck up and realize what's going on. Because if you haven't got it by now, I'm not going to try the free, to free the slaves anymore because you just don't want freedom. So we can have compassion that that's their karma, that's their role. But it's almost like now it's, it's getting to this point where it's make or break, I think. And compassion and love is the way. Acceptance is the way. And that's acceptance of even if people don't want to wake up, you're not going to drag me into your shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like, you can lead the horse to water. You can't force it to drink. But at the end of the day, you know, we do what we do. You know, I'm in the same boat, just like the last couple of years, really speaking out and what's been going on. And I can't control mm-hmm. how people respond to things, but at the end of the day, I'm going to do my, do my due diligence and do my purpose and share what I share. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. More power to you, brother. We've all, Thanks, we've all been there. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's actually been a powerful learning curve for me the last couple years um you know what i mean on on realizing who you actually can get to and who 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 is actually worth exerting that energy um for and to what level continuing to to wake up those that refuse to wake up is actually detrimental to yourself yeah i think we're at a point now where we need to position ourselves accordingly knowing knowing what's coming and using foresight foresight to see where where this is going you know yeah 100 percent. and that's a really good point it's like we're fighting the, the people that don't want to wake up are never going to be woken up. You know, they will do one of my quotes that I wrote was some people are so comfortable in their own discomfort. They'll do whatever it takes to make everyone wrong, to be right about their own limitations and beliefs, regardless of which way they want to go to it. And the fact that, you know, they're offering donuts and beer and fucking whatever else. Burgers and fries and lottery tickets and everything. I just shared a Gavin Newsom quote, twitter quote you know there's they're doing all these different lottery things in california that's where i'm based and it's just insane to me yeah it's praying on the lowest nature of man right where's the where's the incentivization to like live your best life to do your healing work to exercise to eat healthy you know there's none of that it's like here we'll give you all this free shit so you can get a free vaccine yeah it's madness right it's total madness and this is going back into this place where it's okay let's get you really unhealthy to inject you with something to keep you healthy mm-hmm. what <laughs> like yeah. it's complete manipulation and coercion so yeah man we're at a very interesting time on the planet and i think this will be for us the most interesting time of our lives once we get through this which i do yeah. think we will and and this is a motivation for even this podcast you know here for the truth we want to have this dialogue with people and honor and celebrate you know joel wrote this amazing thing on our on our page yesterday like celebrate modern day truth seekers and um and the freedom fighters and freedom fighters you know and also give people this give people this opportunity to have i I say new role models too you know people Mm. are done with mainstream news you know there's all these alternative platforms and there's younger generations that have that seed within them that's like something's off something's wrong and so Mm. you know we want to have amazing guests like yourself that are out here speaking truth to power, but at the same time, inspiring people to see that that power lies within. And I just think it's awesome that you're doing that. And my next question is, how'd you get to this point? Thank you for the compliment. I appreciate the acknowledgement and just want to reflect that back that I, I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing or be able to even to get my message out there without amazing men like you that are standing up to the same stuff that I'm standing up to. So, you know, we're united in that. So I just want to really respect and acknowledge you guys for doing the same thing in your way as well. Thanks, brother. How did I get to this? Um, Which part? The part about like saying fuck the government or like my work? Well, I I guess like... Give us, give give us, give us the process. Give us... um... take us back early um and your your initial breakthroughs the your key rites of passages that got you to really i guess see things more clearly yeah cool so i didn't grow up a lot of people think that i grew up in this sort of perfect household and it was quite the opposite extremely abusive parents um real big absence of love and i was always very sensitive as a kid and i was largely told that my feelings didn't matter that i didn't matter you know, that I was a piece of shit, basically. And that was sort of not verbatim what my mum said, but basically I'll never be good at anything, et cetera, et cetera. So I learned very quickly the absence of love and what that felt like. And it led me down this sort of path of destruction, not knowing how to handle my emotions as a man. Lots of anger, sort of street fights, very destructive, all that sort of stuff, right? But a girl gave me a book when I was 16 called Conversations with God. Actually, I think I was 15. And it's kind of, it's a pretty famous book at the moment. I read it and I 
I kind of got it. It was a pretty big concept to try and take on at 15, 16. But after I read that book, I read an article about near-death experiences and I just became obsessed with it. And I remember I heard one account by this guy, Melon Thomas Benedict, and it just spoke to me. And he went through this sort of mandala and went out into the universe and all they had all these sonic booms and traveled through these like light portals and stuff like that, which I've done on psychedelic journeys and stuff like that and in dreams and whatever. But it just started to make me see that there was something much bigger to life than just this mundane go to school, be measured against these certain, you know, arithmetic standards or whatever it is, you know, that you want to call it. And I just started to go down this path. And then I started to do a little bit of meditation and look into the nature, you know, just why we're here when I was about 17, 18. And then what I wanted to do, I was playing into my ego a lot and I wanted to make money. So I went out and started businesses, but I wanted to understand the nature of money. And so when I started to go down the the nature of money and I understood fiat currencies at 19, I was like, fuck, this is all a scam. Whoa. And I'm like, so if if this is a scam, then all the other industries must be a scam because money is pretty much the anchor to keep us control. And then I went down the path of like big military, big pharma, big everything. So, you know, I'm 37 now, I'm turning 38. And it's like, I've been on this path knowing about agenda 2030 and all that sort of stuff for so many years. And now I'm like, see, I told you this is what was coming out. Mm -hmm. And so I went down this path of knowing all this for many, many years. Then I went into the investment industry and, I had it all, you know, I had a $3 million apartment in Darling Point, Sydney, the gold Rolex, the expensive cars, the expensive clothes. And I remember I was driving out to buy these $8,000 marble cubes that I had made for my bedside table, which is just fucking absurd. <laughs> and my friend turns to me and she goes, you're really unhappy, aren't you? And I said, no, nah, I'm fucking desperately miserable. And it was at that point a number of years ago, I said, I need to step out and start finding why I came to this planet. I was always quite spiritual and um, tapped into myself and in touch with that. But I used drugs and alcohol to separate that because I hadn't fully accepted that part of me. So I bought into the, when I've got all the money, when I look a certain way, when I've got the clothes, when I've got all that, that's going to compensate through the external value for the lack of internal value that I have. And then when I started to go down this path, I started to see the patterns in the world. I started to understand people's motivations. I understand, you started to understand language. I started to understand the power of how someone communicates subconsciously. You know, I can tell when someone's going to lie by the rate of the way their breath changes within that second or what they're going to say next, just because I've been doing this and understanding this for so long. And as I became more acutely aware of it, I started to realize that language can heal these programs which are activated through trauma. And then I realized everything that I'd gone through had led me to this path in this sort of beautifully divine puzzle that had been put together. And I was like, oh, that's why I went through so much fucking shit. <laughs> yep. So that was kind of how it led up in, in both ways to being aware of how the world's run and also what I do in the world now. Yeah, man. Um, it's very, very reminiscent of the great hermetic axiom as above, so below, as within, so without. And yeah. really, un- until we grasp that, you mean, this, this experience is the mirror to the internal reality that's occurring. And yeah. you mean, fully taking self-responsibility and realizing that I need to do the work here to affect anything out there, then yeah, no no real profound change is, is going to come about. Um, but wow, man, what a story on, on, on that journey, definitely. Yeah, and yeah. I was really... No, continue. I was just going to say, we're all on that journey. And as yeah. you said there, you know, as without so within above below you know the mind the body and the spirit they're all one they're just different manifestations of different levels of density that's it that's the way that i see it mm-hmm. and wherever we go there we are and we can't be we can't be anywhere else why well simply because we're not and whatever's showing up for us repetitively the more we project that onto the world the more we're going to struggle and we're going to suffer and it's like if we can take full responsibility for, well, this is my experience and I'm responsible for processing whatever opinion I have on it, which is just projected from deep beliefs, we're going to start to become more powerful when I'm fully responsible, responsible, response dash able, I'm able to respond rather than react, then we start to become powerful. Yeah. Um, I definitely want to ask questions around like how you go about working with people. We can talk about that later, but I had read on your website that 
when you kind of had this dark night of the soul and made a big shift in your life that you mm -hmm. spent some time on a New Zealand farm. Yeah. And I'm just curious to know like how that experience was for you and you know what you learned from it. Yeah, that was beautiful because, you know, I'd taken drugs, drinking, all that sort of stuff. And it was the typical, you know, reaction to suffering. And I thought that was like, you know, I thought I was like king of the world, you know, like people up in Surrey Hills when I used to live there called me and my old business partner, the Wolf of Wall Street guys. I'll sort of let you guys and whoever's listening, to, you know, run with whatever idea they want with that. But I decided that at that time that, you know, there was a part of me that was hanging around guys that were objectifying women, doing drugs all the time. And I just, I was never really like that at the deepest level. Yeah. And I wanted to just exit out and just heal my body and just get into a natural state. And New Zealand was calling me. So I went and got a farm in the mountains over there on 10 acres. I was eating, um, you know, natural food that was grown from the soil over there. I was drinking spring water, um, beef from down the road. You know, it was all natural stuff. It was like a Garden of Eden almost that I was living mm -hmm. in. And I just felt over the seven months I was there, my body just started to heal. On the other side of that, I had some pretty wild experiences with encounters with, you know, some extraterrestrial visitations, things like that, which were showing up, which was pretty fucking wild at the time. Um, but it just cleared my body out. And I was in this just natural state where I got to connect with nature. And over there, I realized that, wow, I'm not separate from nature. Mm -hmm. I am nature. Nature is a part of me. It's mother nature. It sustains all of us. Yet the separation we feel from it is this arrogance of the ego and the human being that we know how to control nature. It's like, hey, good luck with that, buddy. Yeah and, I think that's what, yeah, and I think that's what we're facing now in our world today is there's such a complete disconnect from nature and our own bodies and how we can heal ourselves. And, and it's like, oh no, I, I can't just live a natural life. I need all these external things to keep me safe. And it's, I think it's that disconnection. I mean, people, a lot of people living in these, you know, urban settings, these concrete jungles, and, you know, they have an impact on the body, the mind and the spirit. Totally. Yeah. I totally agree. It's like the disconnection, what we're seeking is connection. And the disconnection is internal. Like, if we look at that statement, and this is just me picking up on the language, we can't actually be disconnected from nature. It's just an idea. We're still a part of it. And however mm -hmm. it happens, we're still going to create the damage in the world that is going to affect us. So we're still inherently connected. Mother Nature is just going to go, all right, like a little kid, come on, get your shit together. You know, start respecting and understanding that we're inherently a part of nature. The fucking ego to think that we are in control of that force called life and Mother Nature. She'd wipe us out like that. It shows how fragile we actually are. And people have been led to believe that, you know, the medical system is there to actually make us healthy. Now, if we experience acute trauma or a broken leg yeah go use it but the pharmaceutical industry does not work i think pharmaceutical comes from the word pharmacaea which is a form of witchcraft black magic and to think that we need that system which is sick care symptomatic it's dealing with problems it's not dealing with health they've got no interest in health that's why they want to vaccinate people with experimental technology but it's about reconnecting to ourselves and to each other because that's really what we want to be embodied and if we look at it's like we're addicted to this suffering addicted to the external and if we look at the word addiction it comes from the latin word addictus which means to make a slave and what happens is addiction comes from a repressed desire which then brings in situations that are tempting and we respond by becoming enslaved that's the the physics chain of desire and so when people are in this hedonistic mindset of drugs alcohol sex which our society sells to us we become addicted to that to try to escape our suffering, not realizing it's actually perpetuating the suffering that we're trying to escape from. It's a reinforcing pattern that that's one of the things that I'm helping people break. Yeah, man. And it's definitely perpetuated by the, the malignant culture in general. And there's no mm -hmm. doubt that, um, that that disconnect, in my view, is an um, intentional agenda um, that, is being, that is being pushed for obvious reasons, right? Yeah, 100%, I agree. And you can see it if like we haven't had and this is everywhere this isn't my original thought but governments aren't saying get sunlight hug someone build up your immunity eat well it's like stay indoors you can get booze and uber eats then you're going to get an experimental technology which is killing people then you can go back to normal it's it's, it's malicious yeah 
Yeah, I mean, from day one, that's literally been my thing, talking about this, just being like, there's been no advice on how to be healthy. Lock yourself in your yeah. house, you know, restrict your oxygen, don't touch anyone. It's insane, mm. you know? I mean, my, my wife just finished her dissertation on the interrelational dynamics of touch. So she's mm. just been doing all this touch research. And just the fact that your nervous system is so impacted by not being in contact with something. It just has an amazing impact on your health. And, but people are far removed from that. They don't have the knowledge, they don't have the, the education. And then, you know, they're sitting in front of the tube being programmed. It's, it's uh, yeah. Tricky. Well, it kind of comes from an inherent lack of trust of self, right? Because for so long, we're so used to, as we started this episode with, with giving that power away and giving our trust away that, we almost don't know what self-responsibility is to an extent. We don't know how to how to trust in our body as the authority and mm. to, to really, um, I guess, listen to what's being given and told to us innately. So we're gonna obviously listen to any any anybody out there that's gonna tell us how to how to act, do and be for our own best interests in a sense. And I mean, it's it's seriously continually blows my mind the situation that we're in sometimes i find it incomprehensible to look out and see the state of the collective and reality but in a sense as we've discussed previously it's kind of in a way separating the the weight from the shaft in some kind of way right yeah yeah i totally agree and it you look at it comes from school like we're indoctrinated you know indoctrinated doctor is in that word that's why we call them doctors right because they're there to indoctrinate us into some sort of false belief system and it starts in school it breeds competition it breeds scarcity it breeds all this sort of like inadequacy yeah. and just these sense of like i'm worthless i'm not an individual i'm separate from one another so it actually starts from a very very young age and you're right, like I sort of said to a few people, I'm like, I don't really get the agenda in a lot of ways because what's happening is the people that are going to get the vax, the unhealthy, the with all compassion, the fucking stupid, and the blind, the ignorant, right? So these people running the show are going to wipe out the people that are complying to them the most easily. And who's going to be left? The people that are strong, that want to look after, look after themselves and each other yeah. and they have sovereignty. So like, it's kind of shooting themselves in the foot in a way. And I don't know if they've got another few steps ahead or whatever else, mm -hmm. which they probably do. But I mean, if you look at that, it's like, it's not this sort of masterful plan. It's actually kind of fucking stupid. Yeah. And the fact that they've locked everyone in their homes over the last year and people have had a lot of time not going to work to look up things online, to follow different things, to listen to podcasts, to read articles and share with their friends and be like, yo, did you hear about this? You hear about this? So I think there has been, while there has been this polarization, one side there has been a greater awakening of like yo this something's fucked up mm. that yeah. people maybe maybe not have been thinking about that they've just been going along with their day-to-day -day life just trying to pay their bills trying to feed their families and then they're like this something's wrong this isn't adding up yeah it's open that it's yeah. really it really has opened that window of opportunity for some people that never would have actually considered the possibility that you mean the government may not like them as much as they think they do to really think about that in a deeper way um but also like as we've discussed previously the whole the whole premise of it has really pushed people either onto a more authentic path or into a more, as you mentioned, hedonistic and, and inauthentic path. Um, as a result of we're forced to pick now, right? There's no you can't really play in the middle anymore. Yeah, you're right. Like we can't. And it's it's beautiful because it's I've made more deeper connections since this started than I had in the last sort of 15 years when I started to realize that this is how the world is actually run. And you're right, you know, people in their homes, they're going, something isn't right behind it. They're constantly sort of exposing their hand and it's also, it's all coming out. Mm. It's like, it's, people say it's the apocalypse, but apocalypse just means revelation. You know, it's the opening up of knowledge, which we didn't see before. And it's beautiful to see there is this, I don't really like the term, great awakening because it's in line with great reset and all that it's not great it's just what's happening right yeah. and more people have woken up in the last 12 to 18 months than they have in the last 20 years since i sort of cottoned on to what was going on in the world mm -hmm. and it's beautiful to see that just normal people are just going no nah, something's not right like we're not these extreme conspiracy theorists i saw this awesome meme the other day it's like 
how long does it take for a conspiracy theorist to be right? It's about six to 12 months now. Six to 12 months, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's actually been amazing. I, I share a lot of stuff on my Instagram stories. That's kind of in my, my way of sharing. And I have people that normally I wouldn't think would say something to me or who wouldn't be into this kind of thing. And they're dropping these messages. So I think yeah. people are, they're curious. And what you said earlier, I relate with in regards to, I've met such amazing people. There's some, there's certain people I've met in the last four months that they feel like family. They yeah. feel like blood and that there are people that I've known for 15, 20 years that, okay, yeah, there's, you know, I might have some heart there, but there's just, there's a, it, I don't know. I don't feel the same. It just, yeah. It's so, it's kind of, it's fascinating to experience. It's frequency. You know, mm -hmm. I say that it's frequency. Like when we're aligned with the right people, our energy is going to start to expand. This is quantum physics. Like if we have um, two equally sized objects and we drop it into say a pool of water and they hit the water at the same time, the ripples, if we assign the peak of the ripple as a plus one and the trough as a minus one, it's going to hit the corresponding ripple from the other object that we've dropped in uh, with the peak and the peak and the trough and the trough. So it actually magnifies. So it's like a torus like that. So it becomes mm -hmm. greater. This is called constructive interference because it's positive harmony. If we drop them in at different times, the corresponding peak will hit the corresponding trough and it will become zero. So plus one will hit minus one, it'll become zero. It becomes disharmonious. Con and this is called destructive interference. So one is good vibes, one is bad vibes. And when we're not like literally vibrating or resonating on the same frequency, that sort of unspoken, unknown aspect that we can't quite consciously quantify, it's a felt sense, it's a frequency. We're going to be pulled more towards guys like the three of us. Mm -hmm. And we'll all find that by the end of this, our energy is going to be higher because we're all resonating at the same frequency. And in the unified field, there's no distance. So I'm connected to both of you and vice versa. And I'm already starting to feel my energy is rising because I'm stimulated at the frequency, which is one of freedom and joy and unity, as opposed to dialogue or debate, which I can get into the etymology of those words later. But where, what we're doing is we're in dialogue, whereas if we discuss something, it's arbitration, right? So vibrationally, because we're all quite present, we're opening up to things that we're simpatico on, we're synergistically increasing our energy. So we're in a little collective field, which is going to make us feel a lot better. And we'll probably finish this up and we'll all be like, fuck, that was a good conversation. I know mm -hmm. I, I'm already there. You know? yeah, so same here. That's what feel. <laughs> I love it, bro. I absolutely love it, man. I, lo I, I love where you're at. I love, I love your approach. Um, and I love what you're doing. So thank you for that. Thanks, yeah. Bro. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm curious what, what was the shift where you were like, okay, I'm going to go from balling out, making eight thousand dollars eight thousand dollar marbles for my nightstand to <laughs> i want to be of service before and, before we get to that can okay. i comment quickly um yeah. I, looked, I looked into your your numerology before um before we came on and so in my system the system that i use the telescopic system developed by michael tessarian you're the four of discs um so four is structure um organization and discs is money so the four of discs is a master of finances basically um but it's done in a really calm and energetic way. And it's all about getting our life into complete working order. But it really speaks to, as you mentioned, large scale purchases, large, large scale enterprises, um, material security. So it's interesting that you had that experience and, and, and went down that path for sure. Yeah, it was like, you know, we moved through these stages of consciousness, which is like having, doing, and then being. So I went through the having, which was like the marble cubes and, you know, the $25,000 mattress and all that sort of shit, right? So then you sort of transcend that and you go, I remember I was trading in one of my cars that I had and I was going to buy a half a million dollar Mercedes. And I was just like, I was signing off on a contract and I heard this voice go, where does this end? And I'm like, well, where, what's from here? A half a million dollar Lamborghini or a million dollar McLaren? Like, what's the point, right? I only drove like four kilometers like radius pretty much every day like what's the point and that's where I started to shift into like okay well I'm in the I'm in the having I've got it all and I'm miserable I'm not happy yeah so then I needed to sort of figure out what am I doing in the world and so I went down this path that I chose tattooing uh naturopathy music uh and motorcycles right and Brazilian jiu-jitsu and I started a process of elimination and then when I was over in New Zealand 
I just woke up one morning and I wrote out, what do I spend most of my time researching, which was reality, consciousness, healing, self-inquiry, psychedelics, mystical experiences. And then the other list was, what am I good at? And so, well, speaking and language is what I was good at. And I said, what do people come to me for? And they're like, well, relationship advice or business advice. And I just went, oh, I'm meant to be a therapist. And it was just this sort of like really like deep moment of clarity, but wasn't this huge breakthrough from this deep event. It was just some writing I was doing in the morning that I was just guided to that moment by some sort of divine intelligence, my soul, whatever it was, doesn't really matter to get me to that point where I landed there. And so then I was in the doing. And so with the doing, it was like, I was defining myself in what I was doing at that point, which was purposeful. But purpose is sort of like when I find my purpose, then I'm going to have some sort of worth in the world. It's kind of like it's a bit of a misidentification, I think, because purpose is when you are in alignment with your highest divine expression. And the extension of that is what you take out into the world in the form of service. It's not the service you provide. It's the frequency you're emitting of which the extension is the service that is then manifest. And so then you're in the world of being. So you've got having, doing. And being, and these are the sort of levels of consciousness that I see we raise up through. So we have to go through this transition of having where you go, okay, well, that's not the answer. Mm. And then it's the doing where a lot of people are at that. And they've sort of discovered that over the COVID period. It's like, well, what I was doing before was shit because I was just trying to have things. Now I want to find something with more purpose. So we're going to move into doing. And then we move into the being, which is one of the quotes, which is on my my website which is really what i try to personify is we came from a source of loving perfection to become liberated so we can become the source of loving perfection and that's really the really the goal there it's a beautiful quote Definitely. yeah it is hmm what do i want to ask right now when you so if someone so for instance someone comes to you and is dealing with what they're dealing with. I'm sure you get a whole host of, of uh, challenges that clients are dealing with, depression, they can't sleep, um, poor relationship. What's your process of working with people? So the first thing, so I do four areas. One is awareness, the next is patterns, and then it's language, and then it's emotions and feelings. And so what I'll do is I'll be able to identify with the way that someone speaks in their language. So in the deepest parts, we have the subconscious limitations and beliefs that we operate out of. Things like I'm not enough, I'm not wanted, I have no power, etc. The way that someone speaks and what shows up in the external is going to then indicate to me what's going on for them. So as an example, someone might be having really bad anxiety, but anxiety is just a word, okay? But we've diagnosed it as a mental illness. For starters, it's not really a mental illness. It happens in the vagus nerve and it goes down into the base of the stomach. And this is where IBS and digestion issues comes from, right? So someone might come to me with digestion issues and I'm like, okay, cool. They're just in an environment where they're overstimulated by food, fear, where they can't process everything so quickly. So all the blood goes to the arms and the legs and the digestion is no longer really on the list of things that need to be operating correctly. So someone's in anticipation all the time. So if someone's got anxiety, first they'll be able to tell by the way that they speak, uh, the way that they breathe, they'll breathe into their chest a lot because the stomach will be tense because they can't relax. And then we'll be able to unwind it. Where did it start? What was the thing in your life that made you start to feel anxious? Because anxious is just the relationship to the future. Like I'm not going to be safe. I'm not going to be okay. And that's really the deeper driving aspect too. It's fear. And then it's a conversation with the fear to try to control my environment to create safety, but I'm really looking out for threat. And what I don't realize is when I don't feel safe, I'm gonna look to prove that I'm not safe, which keeps me in this constraint that I don't feel safe, rather than realizing that at the moment, you've reached you know, this point of having a conversation with me, which might be 30, 40 years down the track, but there's actually no evidence for not being safe. It's a conversation that you're having with the fear that has been trapped within the body, which was activated by some sort of event where you then associate your environment as a place of threat. And so that's one example. So I always work from the outside in, you know, so we look at what's showing up, might be a broken relationship, it might be depression, anxiety, bipolar, whatever it is. I mean, those things, they don't really concern me too much because they're at the, the end of the chain of what's showing up. But when we start to go backwards and we link it back, it's usually from childhood. It might be 
you know, parents got divorced at five years old, that kid's now very scared because whenever someone comes close and they're worried that they're going to leave, that starts to generate the fear of abandonment. I'm not going to be okay. I'm not safe. And then again, I have the same destructive relationships, which perpetuates the fear, which is then called anxiety. I hope that sort of made sense there. <laughs> yeah, it definitely made sense. Now you've mentioned about things being trapped in the body. I'm, I'm curious because that's my area of expertise. I'm a body worker. I'm trained in somatic experiencing. And so I'm mm-hmm. curious, like, how do you, is it all through language and words? Or are there other exercises that you do uh, to get into mm-hmm. the body, to have a person become aware of what's happening in their body? Yeah, so through what I've understood is that I don't give emotions a name because emotions have a name, they have a stigma, then they become part of the identity. I'm Jaguar, right? So it's like, I'm sad. That's going to then start generating all these stories over and over and over again. But if we look at all the qualities of the emotions that were uncomfortable, you can look at it as basically pressure or tightness. That's it. Sadness, it's pressure. Anger, it's tightness. Anxiety, it's tightness. Regret, grief, pressure. Guilt, pressure. When you sneeze, pressure. When you need to go to the bathroom, pressure. It's just pressure that wants to be released. This is the emotional stuff. And so what I do is I, we look at sort of the parts of the body quite often, if it's in the chest, it's heartbreak, it's the shoulders, they're carrying something, same with the neck. If it's in the throat, they haven't spoken up properly. Behind the belly button, it's all about survival and fear. Solar plexus is all around willpower and showing up in the world. Like the ancients had it with the chakra system. I just try to stay away from that because it's got too much stigma associated Mm -hmm. with it. Mm-hmm. The Chinese medicine now that as well, you know, anytime I deal with someone that's dealing with rejection, the stomach on the left-hand side under the rib cage is going to start to fire up. If it's anger, it's going to be gallbladder meridian, which is closer to the liver. And so these parts will show up in the body themselves. So once we start to disassociate with the tagline to it, like anxiety, like fear, anything to do with the story, and we go, yeah, it's just pressure there is pressure in the body we don't yeah. say i have pressure because it's ownership we just go yeah there's just some pressure there's some tightness once we start to do that all of the stories start to sort of just melt away a little bit and that will start to instantly dissolve and it will start to release mm-hmm. and then we start to see that and there was a french therapist i think it was that actually proved that in the memory bank feelings are matched with thoughts so one feeling can release like hundreds of thoughts instantly and these triggers that we attract in vibration, which is physics, is the body just trying to release it because the unconscious seeks to become conscious to seek wholeness. And so to go into the body, I just try and simplify it. And I just go, it's all right, there's just some pressure there. And it immediately starts to become easier. It's, you know, like if you get up in the middle of the night to get some water and you stub your toe, you're not going, fuck, that's about my dad when he left when I was four <laughs> years old and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just... It's just pain. It's just yeah, pressure. Man. And pain is physical. It's unavoidable. But emotional is suffering is emotional. And that's completely optional once you start to manage that. And just I'm curious, you said uh, pressure and tiredness were the was tightness. duality? Tightness? Tight. Tight. Yeah, tightness. Got it. Tightness. Mm. To me, but this, this really does speak to, um, I mean, the concept of sensitizing in a way wouldn't you agree Erasmus I mean because ultimately once we get out of the stories and we can feel the experience directly somatically in our body then we our relationship with what's there it, it does change in a sense because we're able to experience what the body wants to experience as opposed to creating that block because of what's happening in the psyche to an extent yeah yeah for sure i mean our first relationship is is sensation you know we're in the womb for nine months you know at that time there isn't language you know so mm-hmm. for a lot of people that wasn't even a safe time so um yeah i just find it's amazing to get people to connect with to those parts of them to connect to the nuances of sensation and in, in that's present and like you said like not taking ownership of it like oh i have this thing there is a thing that i'm experiencing right now and i think that lessens the charge for sure yeah, totally. I worked with a woman that um, she had arthritis in her elbow and she was di- diagnosed with it 12 years prior. And she tried everything. And she was a dancer when she was a kid and it was around resentment towards her mother. And the elbow, it's like, if you look at the elbows on the left side, which is typically more to do with the female, the mm-hmm. elbows are about like, if you look at the way it bends, it's like a hinge joint. So it only goes one way. And if you look at the elbow, like, what is it for? It's for support. So it's usually that there's an absence of support and the support goes one way from the child to the parent. And then the resentment, which is usually anger, which shows up, will start to manifest as arthritis because arthritis is just inflammation. 
and it starts to show up in the joints, which is joining of the bones and where we join in life is relationship. And it's usually to where our parents start to be like a lack of support. And this woman, what had happened is when she was six to 10, she was forced into becoming a ballerina because her mother was a ballerina. Then a mother wanted her to fulfill her fantasy debt, which is what I call the parent making the child live out the parent's dream because it was unfulfilled because she had to have her daughter and look after her daughter. So she gave up the career. So she just wanted that for her child, but the child couldn't interpret that correctly. So over time, she's nearly 40. She'd been diagnosed with uh, arthritis. It was in the elbow and a little bit in the wrist, I think, at the time. And I just got her to say, look, there's just a feeling in your elbow. Whenever you start to get a bit of pain, there's a feeling. There's not arthritis. That's just, that's a name. And after about three months, the arthritis had gone. And we also unwound it to the event of where it came from. So then she understood the why of the pattern. And then she stopped trying to treat the arthritis and she dealt the underlying anger towards the mother. And I said, your mother loved you so much. She just wanted you to live out the dream that she wanted so much that she had to sacrifice for you. I said, that's a, that's a quality of love. And you've been making your mother the enemy for so long because she did something. She just wanted you to have everything she could never have. And she was in tears and she was letting go. And over a few months, the arthritis went away. I love it. It's, it's amazing what happens in the body, man. So it's amazing. The body knows more than the mind. Mm-hmm. Well, my, my favorite, one of my favorite Nietzsche quotes is there's, there's no philosophy as deep as the wisdom of the body, you know? And I mean, me and me and your asthma speak about this so often, but I mean, to me, the real, the real epidemic is our disconnection from the body, from our first home and from our first environment. Yeah, absolutely. And then the ego will start to slip all of that out of awareness to maintain its own sense of self-esteem and to be right about it. And it's like the mind and the body I see are the same. It's just a different manifestation of density, really. And the body really holds the truth. And the ego is going to do whatever it takes to try and trick you out of that, to say that you have this inherent divine power. The body heals itself. I mean, you just got to cut yourself and the body heals. And we don't really know how that's done. I'm not thinking about how I digest or how I breathe most of the time. The body's just taking care of me. But when it comes to not wanting something in the body, we want to get someone else to fix it. We want to get away from it. But it's quite the opposite. Like I had vertigo recently, which um, I'd been getting sort of once a year around May for some reason. And my initial reaction is to tense up and move away from it. But I was like, why don't I just move into it as quickly as possible? So I started to feel it. And then I'd swing my head to the right, fully relax and surrender. And it'd be gone within a second. And then like I started to unwind that a bit, obviously I was out of balance. There was a bit of repressed anger from my childhood in some situations I was dealing with up here in Byron Bay and I moved towards it. And the more we can move towards this feeling that we want to get away from, the more it's going to dissolve and dissipate. Definitely. I was was looking for this quote based on what we've been talking about here. It's a quote from Carl Jung. And I'm curious your thoughts on it. It's uh, it says the body is of course, also a concretization or a function of that unknown thing, which produces the psyche as well as the body. The mm. difference we make between the psyche and the body is artificial. It is done for the sake of a better understanding. In reality, there's nothing but a living body. That is the fact. And psyche is as much a living body as body is a living psyche. Yeah, and that's kind of speaks to that. What I said before is mind and the body is no real difference. They're just different layers of density. And once we start to understand that, that it's one sort of unit and not become associated so much with the body, because the body dies, right? The body dies, but the self will continue after that. And that's what I believe. And this is just, once we don't become so associated with form, because form comes and goes and form changes. And this is physics as well. Water can go to steam or it can go to ice and then it will melt and go to water and then it can go to steam, right? So it's in the second law of thermodynamics, energy can't be created or destroyed. And so we're in this vessel, this meat suit at the moment, Mm -hmm. and it's kind of one in the same. The body's going to produce what the psychological conditions create for it and vice versa at at the deepest levels. The body, once you let go of the narrative, the prison of your own mind, you can break open and the body will heal pretty dramatically. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, man. I I mean, and especially with the work that I do, I find vice versa too. Sometimes bypassing the mind and going directly into the body by you know, working with manipulation of the tissues, with the structures, you know, working on, on 
altering your posture can have then have a really powerful impact on your psychoemotional health as well. So it's 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 a, such a lovely dance mm. between mm. the different access points yeah. for personal development. Yeah, I mean, this, this is what, sorry, go. No, I was just gonna say quickly, even simple things, you know, when I'm getting people to sit with the emotions, I just get them even to not press their tongue on the roof of their mouth. Mm -hmm. Right? Really simple. You wouldn't think it is, but the tongue presses on the roof of the mouth all the time. And mm -hmm. if you do that and you just relax the diaphragm, you automatically feel a wave of good energy that goes through because that creates space. So even mm -hmm. simple things like that that people don't even notice can make a huge impact. Yeah, because so much of the behavior is unconscious is built over time of patterns. So like someone could just be doing like this, like all the time, and then not even know that they're doing something like this, re like repetitively and bringing attention back to that and then not doing that and consciously becoming aware of that can open up a whole new experience for them. Totally. You know, we don't, we don't, a lot of the times we don't know. I might fidget, I might touch my hair or when I'm stressed, I run my fingers through my hair. You know, I didn't realize that for a while, but then I brought more attention to it. It's like, okay, cool. Like, wait, I'm going to, about to do the thing. All right, what would happen if I didn't do it? Yeah. You know, so it's interesting. <laughs> yeah. all these different self-soothing mechanisms that we have behaviors. It's like, what would happen if I didn't do the thing? What would happen if I didn't reach down and touch my fucking balls and play with myself because I'm feeling stressed? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? totally. Oh, well, I actually might, what? I even notice, like when I'm doing a face-to-face -face with someone, I'll be able to within sort of five or 10 minutes, know which parent it's about or whatever it is. Cause they'll start going, they'll scratch their left shoulder and it'll be like, okay, cool. This is about your mom. Like I've sat down with people within a couple of minutes and they're like, okay, cool. So yeah, I wanted to reach out to you and I'll start going like this. I'm like, okay, cool. Tell me about your dad. And they're like, whoa, what? Because yeah. there's, there's correlation to it. You know, mm -hmm. even women that I work with that have been sexually traumatized, what they'll do is they'll start pulling their hair just lightly when I talk to them. Because that's the cortical part of the brain that's responsible for logic and the rest of the body is feeling. So what they're doing is they're trying to get away from the uncomfortable feelings in the body and send it back to the logical part to start to feel okay because they've disassociated from that part of themselves from the event which makes them feel disidentified with their body little things like that like you can mm -hmm. or like you know touching the left ear like that is like oh, i'm not comfortable what i'm hearing right now due to my mother and stuff like that so there's all these cues which are these subconscious mechanisms to start to show us where we actually are going wrong and that's just the body doing its thing but the body's the subconscious mind, I think. And it's a, yeah. it's a dead giveaway when I start seeing this stuff. Yeah, same here, man. I, I totally agree with what you're saying. It's, it's amazing when we pay attention and observe. And there's so yeah. many cues and there's so many things we could take just from observing how people behave. Uh, I'm curious, what, are, what have been some of your mentors or like, you know, you have all this knowledge and you articulate it so beautifully. Who, who on your path or a book or a teacher or a school has inspired you and kind of guided you? Good question. I'm at the point now where I get, I get asked this question a lot and I say my greatest teacher is my own fucking head because I just sit and listen and yeah. that will present everything I need. But prior to that, there was Krishnamurti. Um, yeah. He wrote a book called What Are You Doing With Your Life? which I think I've read that six times now. And Nisargadatta, a book called I Am That. And um, what's the other one? The Experience of Nothingness. Those two books that I read, and I, I mean, I was reading I Am That this morning. I don't know how many times I've read it, but I'll just open it and go, what do I need to learn for the day? And it'll be a chapter that's three, four pages long. And just the way that he articulates things, it's so profound once you get it. And then Who's the author of that book, Who is the author of that one? Nisargadatta. Nisargadatta. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I, I can see it. I don't think I could fully spell it right now, but I, I know that. Yeah, book. Yeah, yeah. yeah, It's about 12 letters or 14 letters or something. Yeah. And his book is all around just the self-awareness and the nature of life. And it's so profound once you really start to get in it. There's a chapter in it saying, killing hurts the killer, not the killed. And just if you break that down and meditate on that statement, it's so profound because our actions don't really ever hurt anyone else. They really hurt ourselves. It's like forgiveness. You know, I, I'm not a big fan of the word forgiveness because I'm sort of like, oh, you'll be absolved when I let you be absolved of the sins that you committed. It's like, well, what if that was one of the greatest things that ever happened to me, which most of the time our greatest tragedies are meant to be transformed into our greatest triumphs. Mm -hmm. And these teachers talk about that. Like take responsibility for your feelings. Yeah. It doesn't mean that we condone vicious or savage or, 
you know, damaging behavior. We don't have to condone it or say that it's mm -hmm. okay. But those events have happened. And the programs and things that have been active are your responsibility. It's part of your comments, but you came here to learn. And so we can either continue to give away all of that to someone else and let our outside world completely fuck us up, or we can go the way of these old gurus and just be like, yeah, nothing matters. It's all good, which is pretty much the bottom line, you know? Yeah. Man, it, it always comes back to self-responsibility and we have to start somewhere. And the biggest hurdle for most people I find is that, you know I mean, they just don't know where to start because they're, you mean, they're, they're just so lost in the maze of continually looking external for the solutions to some, to some teacher or some, you mean, mysteria or some divine events or some reason out there when really all we have to do is begin to pay attention and you're not going to get to the deeper stuff straight away, but even by paying attention to the most surface little things that are going on for you, eventually you will, you will work your way down and, and get to those deeper issues. Yeah. We start with the end. We start with what's going on. You know, people always go, so what can people do? I said, if you really want to get into yourself, the first thing is look for what pisses you off, right? And you should see where that's showing up everywhere and how that makes you feel. The next, and this is big for men, is find all the things that you think others won't accept about you that you're trying to hide. Mm. Do the work on that and figure that out. And then you embrace that and take that out into the world. My partner who I'm with at the moment, the first time we sat down together, we were, we, I think we sat for six or seven hours just talking. And one of the questions was, tell me all the things you think I won't accept about you and we'll go from there. And that immediately creates intimacy. Because if you're not rejecting yourself, then no one else can reject you. They can say something, they can move out of your life, but you'll understand that when you're in full integrity, the integrity that you want to embody is based on values and self-acceptance. But integrity comes from the word integer, which comes from the word entire, right? So it means wholeness. And the opposite of an integer, which is a whole number, is a fraction. And the more that you fraction yourself out to go on a love and acceptance, which we think is outside of ourselves, yeah. we become out of integrity internally. And so we look at those places. Where am I not integrity? Where am I getting pissed off? Where am I getting frustrated? Where am I not saying what I truly want to say? Where yeah. do I feel like I'm not important? And that's where we start. And we realize, wow, okay, cool. All of this is within me. And then we start to take responsibility for that. And we start to reverse engineer it. It might be, I'm scared to talk up to my, a woman might be scared to talk up to her boyfriend for fear of him going off. And he's got a lot of repressed anger. It's like, cool, well, was that what your dad was like? And most of the time, that's what it is because they're unconsciously bringing this person in to show them that so they can heal it. Yeah, well, our, our unconscious attracts our partner, um, whether we like yeah. it or not. There's, there's no doubt about that. Yeah. That's the thing, right? Because there are there are parts of ourselves that as we grow up, we do, we do repress and we do hide from. And we eventually get to a point where we think that we'll never, ever, ever confront that or bring that to light. So then we begin to build our world around the fraction that we've made inside. And we begin yeah. to build our reality as complementary as possible so that that will never be exposed within us. Um, and unless there's, you mean, profound, deep, I guess, shadow work and awareness and, you mean, paying attention to the somatic taking place, um, then you're not going to get there. I know for me, in my personal process, the biggest thing for me was just... Um, developing grounding practices and grounding exercises. Um, for me, it was Qigong. I, I just started finding ways to attune more to my body, bringing the breath into the somatic and be just beginning to feel, you know what I mean? These different things. And by feeling through them somatically, ultimately I was able to get to a point where I was able to approach those things, which I thought I would never ever approach and, mm. and deal with and clear. Yeah, and that's really important, I think, especially for men to get into the body. Because yeah. the men's nervous system is denser than the female one. And so we actually feel quite deeply, right? And so those practices, <clears throat> excuse me, are very important. But I just want to touch on what you said. You know, it's like we build up these things to hide away from the things that we can't see. But what will happen is vibrationally, that unconscious, and you mentioned Carl Jung before, until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life and you'll call it fate. I've seen you post this before, Joel. It's yeah. one of my favorite quotes. Yeah, and so here. we're going to keep bringing this stuff in regardless. And we, people just won't want to see it. They'll be like, no, nah, it's over here. Like, I'll just put it over there and I'll deal with it another time. And so these lessons that we have to learn, they're always like, they're going to be ever present. It's just, we can't see it. And if we don't know what we don't know, 
then it's very difficult. And this is where people get sick, they get diseases, their body starts to break down, which you guys would have seen. Um, they take drugs, you know, it's no wonder the world is in the way that it's in because we haven't been taught this, you yeah. know, and this is what I really want to get out there is that it's so obvious once you see it, like the amount of people I worked with a 51 year old guy yesterday, like really sweet dude. And he goes, holy fuck, you just reconciled my entire life in one hour because he got to see something that was driving him that he couldn't see, but he couldn't not see it afterwards. And then he realized it was everywhere. Yeah. You know, it's, it's crazy the way that it works. It is. It is crazy, man. I, I agree. Once you let that, once you have that little crack and let that light in, it just, it's a, it's kind of amazing what, what leads, what, what happens after that, I think in so many ways, because yeah. I know I look at my life and it's just like, there's the moment where I go, how do other people don't see all this stuff that's going on? But then I understand the process <laughs> and the journey that it took to get here. You, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of healing. It's a lot of, uh, a lot of people just haven't done any of it. Yeah, so a lot of people want to bypass it somehow as well. Yeah, they, they do. don't even it's know that there, there's a thing called because it is work. fucking hard. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. For many people, they don't even know that there's a thing to do. Like, yeah. Yeah. like everything we're talking about, they don't even know that that is even an option. Yeah, you know, they're so externally focused that the internal work is is uh, is ignored, and um, there's a lot of fear around it. So. Yeah. yeah, a lot of people want to meditate, you know, but you see a lot of the, the old saints, they say there's meditation and there's contemplation. And contemplation is of the meditation of what's coming up in the meditation for you to contemplate. And so I find that, you know, we have practices and things like that. My highest form is contemplation and writing. And I will sit there and I'll just, I'll, I'll just contemplate or meditate on something like it might be, you know, just the word improving as an example. Because I was in like a bookstore a while ago and I saw self-improvement. And I looked at the word improvement. I broke it down into improving and I looked at, okay, I'm proving. Where do I have to prove something in a court of law? If I'm in a court of law, then it says I'm doing something wrong. So the actual energy of I'm proving something is saying that where I'm at right now, there's something wrong and I have to improve past that to prove the fact that there's something fucking wrong. You know, yeah. it's like these small things that we don't see in the world. And like, that's why they say, call it spelling. You yeah. know, it's because mm -hmm. it's literally yeah. cast in a spell, which you guys would know about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's so powerful because it keeps us locked in these things. Like you said, most people don't even know there's a thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. And so they're just operating with these blinders on. Yeah. And, and ments is mind. So improvements. It's almost like thinking you've got to prove your own mind to, your, to yourself in a way. Yeah, government um, as well. Yeah. Government mind. is mind yeah. control. It's control and immense mind. Yeah. Like it's, it's all there. It's crazy. It is. Yeah. It is a crazy man. It's a. It's. It's a. It's a circus. <laughs> Dude, circus well, I'm, is I'm just, entertaining. This is just getting boring. Now. Yeah, it's <laughs> getting boring. I agree. <laughs> but I just love the fact that we have the opportunity to have a conversation like this. And on my end, you know, uh, we've never met before, Jaguar. So it's a. Uh, it's just a pleasure to connect for sure. Uh, I'm also curious, the, the history of your name. Like, how did it come about? Is mm -hmm. was that your given name? Was that something that came to you in a ceremony or someone bestowed it upon you? I'm just curious. Yeah, first thing, no, thank you. I'm honored to sit with guys that I can, you know, can be with what I'm saying. You know, quite often a lot of people are asking me, can you slow it down? Can you, you know, make it a little bit simpler? And a lot of my writing is, um, I used to write in a much more complex way, but too many people going, I don't get it, I don't get it. I'm like, okay, cool, I'll make it simpler. So I just want to extend, it's a real pleasure and honor to sit with you guys to be able to, just be eye level with me with what I'm saying and be with what I'm saying. So I appreciate and uh, acknowledge that. So thank you for the acknowledgement towards me. Um, with the name, yeah, it was an interesting one. It was during a psychedelic journey that I got it a number of years ago. And I went into it and I was in like this tunnel of Humzas, which is like the, uh, the hand with the eyes in. Mm -hmm. And these Jaguars had been showing up in my dreams or just one actually, not multiple, for about a week before this. And she kept saying to me, when you're ready, I'll give you the message. And I said, all right, okay. I never really resonated with cats. I was a dog person. I had a dog at the time. So wolves were more something that I resonate with. And I just knew that like my birth name was not really what, it didn't resonate at a frequency that like felt right for me. So I was already looking to change my name at the time. And because I resonated with wolves, I was going to change it to wolf. And then I did this psychedelic journey and this, I was in this tunnel in this blue sort of leopard, like cobalt blue, 
like like a leopard frog you know those leopard frogs have got some like mm -hmm. cobalt blue skin and yep. um like this but it was a jaguar and she came down and she said and she sort of like crystalline almost a crystal blue and she said oh you've got the message you're here for the message you're ready for the message i said yeah sure she starts ripping out my insides right and i'm like whoa fuck what and all this black stuff was on my intestines and all of that and she ripped my heart out with her mouth and i said whoa 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 like i need that to live and she goes i'll give you a new one and this big ruby red heart floated out of her and went into my chest because my old heart had all this black toxin on it from growing up in an abusive environment and it went into me and she said your real name is jaguar and you have to take that name to become who you're meant to be and so this was sort of seven years eight years ago now something like that and i came out of it and i was like and my dog was actually lying next to me because i had had way too much dmt and i was just passed out on the floor and my dog's head was on my chest and i was like what and then i felt really sick and i went and actually threw up all this black stuff right that it obviously whatever happened now i'm not sure and then i was like oh that doesn't it didn't resonate with me at the time i'm like i was expecting you know like some spiritual name is usually some sort of like misogadara or samadhi moksha mm -hmm. something like that you know something sort of a bit more ancient but i'm like jaguar i'm like i'm gonna sound like a fucking wanker if i'm walking around calling myself that. like seriously i'm like i don't resonate with cats and this message has come through and then it came through through dreams i did a past life regression and it came through again it was coming through for about a year and i went all right I'm just going to do it and I'm just going to take it. And instantly things started to shift. And wow. so then um, my, my second name came through. I did another journey and I had this totem pole come out of my solar plexus. It was like a Native American one. And I said, I need my last name. What am I supposed to take for my last name? And they said, you need to take the name of the earth. And heart is an anagram for earth. And so that's where the name came from. This is an amazing story. So interesting, I think, man. I, wow. think, I think also the draw to cats is that you were in your previous life known as the wolf of wall street. So I think I don't think you could have gone with wolf, you know? Yeah, that's, that's a good point. I didn't pick up on that. Now all the pieces make sense. Awesome. I love it. I love it. Love it. So that's the name. Yeah. Is it? That's awesome, man. Great. Yeah, cool. Cool. well, I'll just, I mean, you know, real quick, I'll just share too. My okay. birth name um, that is on my birth certificate is Jerry. It's mm -hmm. the it's the Americanized version of uh, Yerasimos. Mm -hmm. So I went through the beginning of my life as Jerry, but Yerasimos mm -hmm. was my given name. He was the patron saint of the island of Kefalonia in Greece, where my father was born and raised on. And he was mm -hmm. actually known as the healer and protector of the island. So several oh, years ago for me as well, uh, I never really felt connected to Jerry my whole life. I was like, this yeah. is weird. And then um, my wife actually one day asked me when we started dating, she was like, well, what's your Greek name? And I told her and she was like, that's fucking awesome. And I kind of had been it's thinking awesome. about it as well. And, um, and it just kind of aligned too with my healing work as well. And I, and I kind of took ownership of that. And when I took ownership of my name, Yerasimos or Yerasimos, if you're going to pronounce it that way, so much changed in my life. You know? Yeah, and so and energetically, of course, it would, right? Yeah. What'd you say? energetically of course it would because that's yeah. kind of that's kind of something, something you denied in, in in some kind of way you know what i mean which was wanting to be integrated in a sense yeah and when i was younger it was like i don't know like Erasmus is weird i can't go by that and like it's you yeah. know growing up in the states and but as you step further into your identity and who you are and who you're meant to be it's just it's just natural you know to like come to that place of acceptance yeah yeah, that's so, the vibration. It's powerful. And part of it for me was like, because I grew up in a really abusive environment, one of the things I was looking to change it was I didn't want to continue that vibration on anymore. doesn't mean I don't love my parents or anything like that. They were doing the best they could. But I didn't want to, like, whenever I have a child or bring that into the world, I want this powerful little being to be starting new, like a new lineage into a new world with a new earth, with new people, with new, like new ancestral lineage, right? Starting from me because I'm ending and breaking all the chains of my conditioning. So I want him to be an energetic or her. I think it's a boy anyway, because I've met him in psychedelic experiences and dreams. Whenever he comes along, it's going to be like a new lineage. You know, I don't want to bring the old world into the new world. So it's powerful. And I'm glad that we can share that sort of simpatico around that and how powerful a name is to be able to do it. What a beautiful articulation and representation of that, that it's a patron saint of healing. 
you know, and that's yeah. what you're doing. It was pretty cool. Plus healing with Jerry doesn't have the same ring to it as healing with your <laughs> Yeah, your Eskimos is like ancient. You can feel like the ancient yeah. power to it. But like yeah. Jerry, it's like, maybe not. <laughs> Jerry's kind of like the old drunk bartender down the road, you know? It doesn't uh, have yeah, the yeah. same ring to it. I just think I just Seinfeld. Think or, or, yeah. What'd you say, Joel? I just think Seinfeld. Yeah. That's oh, yeah. Jerry saying, Seinfeld, yeah. Too, Jerry Lewis. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. All right. Well, I think that might be a, a, a good place to wrap it up. We've hit the hour now. Um, oh. Man, it's been an absolute pleasure um, ha- having you on here and having you share, share your journey, your gnosis and, and your story. Um, I definitely appreciate it. And I'm sure, I mean, our listeners are going to take, take a lot from, from what you've shared and your story. Um, so on Instagram, it's at Jaguar Heart. Um, pure Jaguar. At pure, Jaguar. pure Jaguar. Sorry. Yeah. Um, he shares some fire and some really inspirational stuff daily. So definitely go check that out. Um, you're asking you got anything to say or? No, it's just a pleasure having you here. And just real quick, your website is at jaguarheart.co? .co, yeah. Yeah, just a pleasure, man. Thanks for kicking, kicking it off with us. I mean, we're really excited about this, this endeavor and this project. And uh, to have you start off is, is an honor for us. And uh, I appreciate the work that you're doing in the world. I learned a lot today and uh, looking forward to connecting with you further in, in the future and following what, you, what you're doing on Instagram and everything else. Yeah, and thank you guys as well. It's such an honor to connect with men, right? Like men in men's bodies, right? Like it's, and I think this important thing, it's like conscious men. A lot of people talk about, you know, alpha male and beta male, like fuck the beta male. They're like Silicon Valley, uh, the Big Bang Theory, whatever it is, they're celebrating that. Like they're not going to stick around. The alpha male has been, it's a bit toxic because it's about conquering and dominating. But the conscious male are people that are men that are, uh, you know, understand their emotions, they're intelligent, they're on point, they're on purpose. They're conscious to creating a new world. And I see that in you guys as well. And so it's been a real pleasure and a real honor to sit with two very conscious men and allow me the space to be able to express my story. So I want to really acknowledge you guys and thank you for that. And it was a real pleasure. And let's fucking do another couple of these, hey? Yeah, Thanks, man. brother. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we have those six hours we got to get up to, you know, with the, the story that you said at the beginning. So we'll, we'll have future conversations <laughs> yeah, yeah, for, for sure. sure. <laughs> and uh, we'll hear more about, your, you know, what what uh, jungle animals came to you and in, in your psychedelic journeys and all that, man. It's amazing. I really yeah, cool. love it, man. Yeah, man, for abs- sure. Yeah, absolutely mutual. And as we get the ball rolling, we'll definitely have you back on. Just quickly, man. Are you here for the truth? Always. You're asking yes. for the truth? I'm here for the truth. I'm here for the truth too, man. Um, Guys, thanks for listening to Here for the Truth. Um, We'll see you next week. Take care. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Yep. (laughs) I did it again. You did it again, dude. You got (laughs) to press the record. Smoke and mirrors, I'm seeing through the illusion. Waking up in a time, they think you're in a delusion. Somebody set the alarms, because they be too busy snoozing. I'm in a DeLorean. Fast forward in evolution to a place where we can share that confusion. 450 BC, I'm sharing tea with Confucius for going all at conclusions as if it matters to prove. All I know is-